Welcome to the Western North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week to answer your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. You know, I realize I say every week, I say my name like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I am. Are you Caleb? <laughs> I think I've you're been, Caleb. I've been told that's my name. <laughs> you respond to it, so it's probably a name of yours. That, that's how it works. <laughs> Whatever you respond to. <laughs> exactly. Like a little puppy dog. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the show. We're, we're, I, we didn't even talk about this before the show. I think we mentioned it, might've mentioned it to each other last week, but this is our two year anniversary show. Oh, that's right. We've been doing this for two years. I know. That's crazy. Time flies. It really does. Like I, I, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't feel like we've put two years into this No, and, uh, yeah, I I could do a couple couple years more probably oh, without definitely. without even thinking about it. Easily, probably like about ten more years, right? And except for in ten years, podcasts won't be a thing. It'll be like holograph casts. Oh just, gosh, just like literally downloading people's minds. Is that some I, of the future going? I just imagine they're not going to have the attention span for <laughs> our hour plus podcasts. It's just going to be down to little snippets, <laughs> just like one word shit. <laughs> quick, quick thoughts, <laughs> flashing videos. Uh, uh, yeah. So we'll see where we're at in 10 years, but two years feels like an accomplishment. So yeah. Cheer, cheers to all of you who have stuck, joined us or stuck with us through all that. Cheers. Um, let's talk about alcohol. <laughs> I noticed that you did not use the word beer this time have you uh still knock on to the store to get a beer i did it i've got, oh. a, beer. Oh, I've got a beer i did it i actually i it, when it rains it pours because i went out and bought beer and then i came back and my mother-in-law was visiting and she's like hey i brought you beer and i was like what <laughs> nice okay that's a good mother-in-law yeah so uh this is what i bought for myself it's a seasonal it's mm-hmm. from Rubens. Uh, Rubens Brews out of Seattle. I love it's, Rubens. It's a stay stay frosty IPA, <laughs> which this time of year is actually very true. Yeah, and it's you know they say it is fermented at cool temperatures, so it's like the natty ice of uh, <laughs> of, uh, of IPAs. Um, but yeah, it comes in at six point nine percent. I haven't nice. tried it yet, so I should probably do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's an IPA. Yeah. That that does it. Is it uh, more like on the piney side, the fruity side, hazy side? Where is it going? It's in definitely life? more on the piney side, a little more um, hop dankness to it. So I'm, it's more more what I've been looking for. Not that I, I have not been in the mood for a hazy uh, or fruity IPA these days. So this is definitely scratching the itch of a... A true IPA. Yeah, there's something about the, you know, November, cold, windy. In case you hadn't noticed, there's a lot of rain going around these parts of the world. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm surprised you're above water and you're in uh, we're on the top of the hill, so it's nice. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> else to, is floating away. Yeah, not to make light of it, but yes, we're on top of a hill. So it uh, was downhill from us. But uh, yeah, like having that piney flavor sounds really good, actually. Yeah, I looked at some... Um, winter ales and that sort of thing. But this one being a seasonal, 
it just it just called to me. And Rubens never has. I never go wrong when I get a Rubens beer. Oh no, they're amazing. And a couple of years back when they were doing a Seattle Beer Week, they did a whole thing with like a limited release and then a waffles and chicken, chicken and waffles with their limited release on Seattle Beer Week. And I remember I was just trying to get the uh, the beer and the line was like around the block at that Rubens. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're they're excellent. I have a uh Rubens Sounders scarf oh, thing cool. somewhere around here. I should find that and hang it up because it's kind of cool. Fun. Uh, what are you drinking this week? I'm drinking uh, Structures Brewing, one of my favorite breweries. They have a Schwartz beer, so it's a, a dark lager. And it has a Vulture on the can, which I was showing uh, Caleb there. Which, if you have a Vulture or a Skull on your label, I'm probably going to buy it and try it out. <laughs> it's just kind of on brand for me. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's good. It's great. It's exact, like it's the exact type of lager I want. And these these times, it's uh, it's... I would say it's definitely more leaning towards a porter side than it is a lager side. You're definitely getting those like chocolate grains, like that uh, dark, heavy beer. But it's still, you know, still light. And I actually didn't check the percentage on this bad boy. I'm going to guess it is. Oh, it's 5.1. I was going to say 4.9. So so it's definitely sessionable, but not that sessionable because it it does drink like a meal. Oh, yeah. Liquid bread. Yeah, so it's good and it's perfect. Like it's exactly what I want when the sun's setting at four thirty in the evening. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to think about warmer drinks. I need, <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need some some hot liquors. Well, I I did the the cider with the the fireball a couple weeks ago. That's pretty oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Hot That's hot good... alcoholic. Beverage. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge mold wine fan. If if anyone wants my mold wine recipe, I'll uh, I'll send it your way. Mm, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'm gonna have to try that. Yeah, sweet. It's actually glug, which is a Swedish mold wine recipe. So, so is that like the 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 German? Is it gluwein? Gluwein is in German, Gluvine? and then in Swedish, yeah. it's just glug. Glug. Okay. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'm gonna have to. Oh. It's so good. And it smells so good. And it smells like so seasonal. It's something that's just like fun to have like in the crock pot in the kitchen all day long. Yeah. Is it something that you can do in a few hours? Yeah. It takes about, you know, two, three hours to do. And then like to making, if you keep track of it and make sure it doesn't boil and maybe add a shot of vodka every once in a while, it'll, you know, last all day long for a couple of days too. Mm. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on here to Tim's bit. What do you got this week? Oh, I'm calling it snow day. Cause I, I've just finished watching to take a peek down around or behind the curtain. I just finished watching the uh, Canada, Mexico game, which was played in Edmonton and, uh, there was snow all over the pitch. It looked absolutely freezing. Everybody looked miserable. The, the, the keeper for Canada even had like a, a snood over his head. So he kind of looked like a Cornholio from uh, Beavis and Butthead, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's probably uh, a reference that a lot of people don't get, isn't that? That that might be a little dated at this point. Yeah, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he had a, basically a cloth over his head. Almost looks like a, a nun, I guess, would be another way to put it. <laughs> uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. And, and it just got me thinking, like, 
how do you think Arsenal would do in those types of conditions and who do you think would thrive and who would not thrive? Gosh, I feel like they had a, a good game in the snow last season. And I feel like Emil Smith Rowe might have scored in that game. Um yeah, it's it doesn't it certainly does not suit the Arsenal style of playing. And we've seen we've seen in this this season as well. I'm trying to think of what game it was. Was it, it wasn't too long ago where they were really battling? It might have been it's one of the games where they tied, I think. Was it the Brighton game with the, the rain? It might have been the Brighton game. There was a bit of wind and rain going. I believe that was a Brighton game, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah, I think that was it. Um, yeah, it's just that, that that's... They play well with a quick pitch, and snow does not <laughs> work well for that. But you can also take advantage of it, I think, and catch... catch catch teams on their heels a little bit because everybody, you know, it affects both, both teams equally. I don't think any, any team is necessarily set up to, you know, play well in the snow. So I, I, I do think Arsenal could, could work that towards their, to, to their advantage, I should say. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's ideal, but I think they can definitely, they, they could definitely do some damage. But it's it's fun to watch because it's unique and it's different, but it's also like kind of a slog because <laughs> it's like lots of turnovers, lots of messy play. So it's uh, not something you want to watch every week for sure. I mean, to be fair, the game, the, the actual pitch was I like snow free. So I actually was running pretty quickly. Mm. And, you know, like I think the usual suspects, I think like obviously Tierney would excel. I, I don't think even Tierney would notice it was snowing. He'd be probably uh, not. <laughs> short short sleeves and all. Yeah, exactly. He'd think it was a summer's day. For whatever reason, I feel like Aubameyang might have fun in the snow. Like I think he would like, you know, <laughs> celebrating a goal or sliding in the snow. Like mm-hmm. he just strikes me as someone who would enjoy playing in the snow and then the uh in, in not necessarily the cold, but in the snow. Um uh, yeah, Smithrow. I think Sokka. Because he's young, has high metabolism. Is that, have you ever played in the snow? Uh, I've played when it was snowing, but I wouldn't call it s- snow because like it didn't stick. And I've played in like sleet covered fields, but I've never played in like a fully snow covered pitch. Mm. But even in that sleet, when I played in the sleet covered pitch, was doing any type of slide tackling was a miserable experience and you were trying to avoid it at all cost. Yeah, that left uh, a few marks on me when I was a little kid playing playing soccer and I was just it was kind of a shock like why are they letting us play in these conditions (laughs) shouldn't we just cancel the game yeah I was used to like I I played only a couple couple years of soccer and most of my youth I was playing little league baseball and so you'd cancel games if it was inclement weather weather so it was a new experience for me when we had to play in the snow and I just really didn't understand why, we, why they would have us sliding around on the ground when it was like ripping us up with the ice and just, it, it didn't even have to snow if it was a cold morning and you have the yeah. hard frosty oh. ground. It, it, that, that's enough to, to yeah. rip your legs up really. 
Yeah, I mean, and the, the players I always feel bad for, just like the, the I was talking about with the Canadian goalkeeper, the goalkeepers, because you don't run enough to actually warm up. Like, at least if you're mm-hmm. playing midfield, you're running like a chicken with your head cut off and like able to keep warm. It actually probably makes you run a little bit more because you're like, oh, this is keeping me warm. Yeah. But those keepers, they, they have to kind of stay in the box and kind of stay sharp. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely have different... Uh, hurdles that they have to overcome in these games you know it, the games where they don't have to do a lot is still a mental challenge you know yeah. where you're having to keep your head in the game as well and that being said i think ramsdale he seems like he he's he's a snoke kind of player he's a tough kid he could uh he could deal with it i think he'd be up for for just about anything <laughs> if it seemed like a challenge he'd he'd probably relish it yeah um well let's uh Let's move ahead here. Uh, we've got a big game coming up this week, and we've touched on it the last episode, and now we're now it's real. Now it's coming up this weekend. Uh, Liverpool is just on the horizon here, and you know, I think the last last game that we really looked to was the uh, the Leicester game. Just a a few weeks ago, it seems like a long time ago with the the international break, but just at the end of October, I think that was the last time we were thinking, okay, this is a this is a milepost game. This is a this is a gut check to see where Arsenal are at, and they met that challenge with flying colors or passed that challenge. Anyway, I'm mixing <laughs> my metaphors here, but you know, it's it. it it was not the hurdle that I that I expected. It was not the challenge that I expected from Leicester. And I think every everybody is is waiting for the other shoe to drop a little bit with this run of games. <laughs> with the success that they have found, I think everybody's waiting for a reality to set in. And I'm I'm happy that it's gone as long as it has, but you know, at, at some point we will hit a wall. I don't expect to win every game the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, but with Liverpool, we come up against them with, uh, you know, coming off an international break. Uh, so that comes with its own s- set of challenges. Uh, but you know, I, I, I feel like it, it's, uh, it's it's still going to be a good test of where we're at. What what, what are you feel, feeling going into this I mean, game? Te- a very good test. I, I mean, like I'm still nervous. I don't know. I don't know if it's the international break and then it just I've gotten so excited. Like coming into the international break in a good mood has just made me like have swagger. But mm-hmm. like, I'm for whatever reason I'm feeling much more optimistic about this Liverpool game now than I was even last week, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I just don't know. I, uh, I'm feeling good, but I mean, I'm optimistic with a, a, a splash of reality, which is if we really, I just don't want to lose like we did against Chelsea or city, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be blown out. I don't want to be out of contention, but if we keep it close and you know, it's a one goal either way, that's, that's where I'm happy. And I think that's the level where we're at at right now. I do think we've turned a corner in a lot of ways and we're we're at that point where we should be competitive if not competing with a with every game including against Liverpool. Liverpool's taking a little dip in form. 
they lost their first match of the year <laughs> before finally finally i'm glad that wasn't falling to us to have to take care of that no i mean i think that would have been just added pressure that would have been absolutely storyline yes uh, <laughs> but uh so you know they're vulnerable. And I think Liverpool has shown that, like, despite the fact that they've looked good and, like, you know, Mo Salah is one of the best players in the world currently. And I think might be edging some of those players that have been traditionally considered the best players in the world. So you have to be aware of it. But, you know, like, they've been, he's been away on international duty. I think there's, there's a chance, is what I'm saying, I guess. Long, too long didn't read. There's a chance, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, the the injuries are, are certainly piling up on the Liverpool side. Uh, and that that does open the door a little bit, but they're also really stacked. So <laughs> even their even their bench is probably gonna pose a challenge. And I I think there is there is a next man up mentality there where they can plug in guys and it's not a huge drop off in talent or um you know they don't they don't have to reinvent things to accommodate different players they can run out the same system and everybody knows what they need to do uh but you know they think there's as an arsenal fan you're looking for any little uh crack that we can uh <laughs> grasp you know hang on to as we go into this game cuz i you know on paper i'm still nervous i think they they're going to be a challenge no matter what and I, it, it is, um, a, anytime you see Liverpool, it's going to be a bit, a big game, but I, I think it adds the, adds to the pressure. The fact that we could leapfrog them and get into fourth place this week it, it, with a win. So I think that I, I'm sure the players are thinking about that in the back of their minds. I, I, I know you can only uh look at the game in front of you and not worry too much about the table but it's it's a big deal i mean getting into fourth place i think it's it may not be like where they end up at the end of the season but i think that that does it's not just a statement to beat liverpool but to do that and then get into fourth place it says a lot about how far this this project has come this season so i you know i i i don't want to talk about that part too much because i don't i definitely don't want to <laughs> jinx anything and i don't want to get my hopes up too high but that storyline can't leave the back of my mind it's 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 right there it's it's just waiting so we'll see how this game goes if my anxiety can make it especially if they i, I don't know i i i think i'm gonna be nervous all the way through but if they keep it close if they keep it competitive it's gonna be it's going to be a bit rough, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, emotionally, I think it's going to be rough. And you you mentioned that you know jumping up to fourth place. I knew we talked about it last week, and I knew intellectually it was going to happen. But when you mentioned it just now, like my heart started fluttering. I'm like, it's <laughs> it's a danger. It's a you know you know Ted Lasso talks about it. it's like you know that British saying of uh you know it's a hope that kills you and trying to get mm-hmm. over that. But I I I, I have a hard time getting getting that hope because so often, especially with Arsenal, for whatever reason, <laughs> they, they let you down when you're, uh, when you're thinking you've gone, turned a corner or you're, you're about to make some sort of achievement. And I, but I'm, I'm also trying to enjoy the fact that we are in this conversation. Cause I don't think I was expecting 
to be in this conversation this uh this this year this early i go back and forth on how i feel about that like it's really it, it is early we're not even halfway through the season yet we won't get there until january but it's um i don't know i guess i, I the returns are are coming sooner than i expected but I, it's hard to I think as Arsenal fans, we're trained to temper expectations constantly. And it's hard to really feel like we're, uh, we've made it or we are as good as we hoped we would be. Or, you know, I, I think there's, there's always the, the detractors. And then there's that little voice in your head that says, but it's Arsenal, you know, like <laughs> it's, you're just waiting for, for things to fall apart. So I, I was thinking about like, what I, how would I feel if we, lost this game and I, I think it does come down to the scoreline but I I'm not gonna write off this team if they lose to, to Liverpool by any means no I mean I I, I don't think anyone should free like go into full Arsenal all Arsenal TV mode if, if we lose the game I think uh, in <laughs> right. general it's probably to be expected at the moment of development where we're at, we are making progress. And the fact that we are in this conversation for getting the fourth place shows how much progression we've made. But there's all, as you said at the opening of a segment that, you know, there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be, you know, things that aren't ideal happening. And, you know, just on paper, Liverpool so far is the better team in that their players are more proven than ours. And I'm not going to say necessarily that their players are are better than ours. I think we have a lot of potential talent that could be on equal or better than they are, but it just hasn't proven itself. So I don't think there'd be any shame in losing this that game. That being said, I don't want to go into it as a defeatist mode of like, oh, well, I'm happy with whatever result. I obviously want Arsenal to win, and it's going to be uh, painful and annoying if we lose. Yeah, I I don't know at what point I would feel like when when do we start feeling like we can be confident and talk shit and you know like when does when does Arsenal actually fulfill that that desire to be really good and and where we can feel confident going into these games I I mean I, I is it do we have to have a successful season where we are in champions league do we have to just get to champions league it, like i don't know at what point we say okay we're as good as we thought we were and now we can feel confident i think a major trophy helps in that and i know we got the fa cup which is a major ish trophy but uh you know i you know a deep run in the champions league a an actual uh, winning the league, I think, is where you can st- really start, you know, saying we arri- have arrived and made it. And until we do that, I think we have to stay humble, or at least I'm going to stay humble. I'm also not the biggest trash talker in the entire no, world. No, no. But I, um, I do want to feel like I that we can go into these matches and feel like we're going to compete. And maybe that mm-hmm. requires multiple seasons of success or stability. Because you're looking at Liverpool, who... That's definitely, you know, pre- previous to Klopp, we're not, we're not stable by any means, you know, Even like the first year of Klopp weren't stable right. as well. But the, I mean, th- over the last, what, Klopp's been around like five, six years, they've been in the top four. They've been, they figured out how to 
find stability at the top at least i mean it's it's been i think recent memory because of the fact that they were in that champions league final or they won that champions league final they were in the champions league final and then they won the champions league final and they finally won the league it kind of uh, erases the fact that they were very unstable. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about the uh, the year Leicester won the champion or the 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 Premier League, and that was what 14? 16? 14. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I think it was fourteen. It was fourteen, and Liverpool was finished finished eighth that year and was on a string of you know years where they are finishing out of the league in a very similar position to ours and their their position as this team that people are afraid of is a fairly new thing for them to be back at that not that they weren't you know in you know the 70s and 80s but there was a time in the uh, late 90s early 2000s where they were in a very similar position to us where it was a, a winnable game to play against Liverpool so it just it, it really does take a couple results and a you know you know, a, a string of of victories against these top tier teams before you start to get that respect. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that long ago where when it came to these games against the the powerhouse teams, it was not necessarily um, one where I felt like we were going to go in and win. I think everybody gets a little nervous in these big games. But at least with these games, it felt like we were going to go in and compete. And I think after the the game with Man City earlier this season, it it caused some doubt, you know. Although I think Arteta has been very good against the big teams. He's found ways to win. Um, Maybe not super consistently, but more often than not, he's found ways to get results. Man City is a different animal for some reason, but you know, against Chelsea, against um, <clears throat> against Man United, you know, like they've they've found ways to to stay competitive. Um, but you know, there's there's always the boogeyman. There's always the things that that uh, get you uh, mentally heading into these games, both from a fan and a player perspective. Um. But I think, you know, with Arsenal being on the ascendancy and, and having this win streak uh, or unbeaten run, I think I should say, um, it is nice to to feel like, you know, just just a sense of confidence that that it, it might be OK. You know, it, it I, not nothing's guaranteed, but it, it does feel like we're in a better mental place, a better um, place from a confidence perspective. And I hope that translates onto the field this time around. Uh, I could be wrong because I don't remember exactly what was happening right when we were starting the podcast, but it was right around when we were starting the pod, pod, podcast, the podcast, uh, the <laughs> podcast, uh, when uh, Arsenal was on an unbeaten run with uh, uh, Unai Emery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot less. I had a lot less confidence in that unbeaten run when it was going on. What makes the difference? I think it wasn't it like 19 games unbeaten at that point. I think or something? It was like 50, It was at least 15. I remember 15. Yeah. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, but it was it was a good chunk of games. Yeah. Um. I I don't know why, but. It's hard to remember what my feeling was at the time, but I think 
there was a sense that it was unsustainable. Like it was more like things were falling in their favor more than them figuring something out. Like it didn't, it didn't feel like it was real somehow, even though they were finding ways to win. It just didn't feel like it was going to be the, the thing that was going to make the, I, I don't know how to describe it really. I, I can't put it into words, but I, I just get a sense that the um you know the, the Emory the Emory era was always a little bit um I, I just think people had a lot of questions about like what was what was he trying to do? And when it when you when you can't really figure out what the style of play is, when you can't really figure out what makes the team tick and why they sh- they are having success. I think it's really hard to buy into even when they are finding um, ways to win. And I think that that panned out with the way the players ultimately felt about things too. It was just like, well, when, when things did fall apart, it was like, well, what, what do we do? What do we fall back to? Because we don't really know why things were working before. And it's funny, I mean, to be fair too, though, those players that uh, f- ended up falling out with Emery, a lot of them are gone now, you know? like mm-hmm. And... Uh, sometimes I wonder if it's a little bit of perception that is coloring our, our view of Emery versus Arteta that, uh, that, you know, you know, Arteta is a mutt and we're going to go into a little bit more of the likability of Arteta later in the show. And he's a much more likable manager. And, you know, it comes down to, he speaks a little bit better English than uh, Una Emery does. And Hmm. I wonder if that colors our, our, our perception a lot. Yeah. I have to go back and listen to some of those early episodes. <laughs> I, I do know that we were not on Une Emery's train when, when we first started. No. Um, I think it was like I, probably the third episode when he got fired. Fourth episode. <laughs> yeah, it was really there. early on. But I think there was always, um, he was always more scrutinized. Uh, and anybody coming out from, or coming in, after Vanger was going to be under a microscope as far as what do you, what do you bring to this team? What is this team going to be under you? You know, I, I, I think in many ways he was thrown into the lion's den and I don't think anybody could have prepared him for what was really required to take over from such a massive personality and, and uh, such a huge figure in the history of Arsenal. Like, I don't think it, it would have been tough for any coach to come in, but I mean, you would, you would have had to have a, a really huge presence and a big stature. Like there probably weren't too many coaches that could have come in and, and um, not been met with a huge level of scrutiny. Yeah. And I, I think that's, it's unfortunate that there had to be that 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 coach uh, because I think it's just something that had to happen. It was kind of like a throwaway sort of thing that was a transition coach to whatever we were going to do next. Yeah, I mean, you, you see that a lot with uh, Manu, Sir Alves, Ferguson, and Moyes because, you know, Moyes was mm-hmm. never a bad coach and he just kind of got thrown in the wolves' den of Man United, got thrown out as this like horrible hack and now we're seeing him with West Ham right now showing that he's not a horrible coach it was just a impossible situation 
you just you're you're going up such high levels of expectation, and I think there was this um, you know as Arsenal fans we took for granted how much um, you know getting into Champions League meant and how challenging that actually was, and I, I, it has also changed a lot in the last uh, last decade. You know that the transition with all the uh, money that has been poured into the Premier League and and how much the competition has stepped up. Um, it's not, it's not the easy thing. I wouldn't say it's easy, but you know, it's, it's, it's not as uh, automatic. The, the pathway to champions league is, is yeah. definitely not an automatic thing. So you're, you're uh, that change mixed with Wenger's departure. I think it, it was just a, a, a growing up period for Arsenal and, and Arsenal fans. And I think there is a lot of, underestimating what was happening and what what uh, needed to happen. And I think that's why this uh, Arteta appointment has um, taken a little while to get going, but why it, why it was necessary is because he understood like the um, some of the changes that had to happen and some of the things that couldn't be taken for granted. And, yeah. and making those changes in the in the player level and the hierarchy and all these things had to happen. and that, that's just uh, that's been been a challenge but i think we're starting to see arsenal coming out the other side of that hopefully yeah i mean i don't think arteta gets the same amount of time that he's gotten if it weren't for unai emery Mm -hmm. that i think uh we would have been much more on his case last year you know with the results that we got last year if we hadn't seen unai emery and seen that like if we you know it it is a change and it is an adjustment yeah, it's crazy to think too. Like, um, for for somebody who's coming in and has never coached at this level before, I mean, that would have never. I, I can't. I can't imagine if he would have been hired before. You know, like when they were first looking at him, when they were deciding whether it was going to be him or Emery or whoever else. If he would have been hired then, I don't think he would have made it a season. Mm-mm. But then he comes in and gets coronavirus, mm-hmm. you know, kicking off the whole coronavirus thing, <laughs> starting with him. I mean, that's that's it's so weird um, to think back on all this. But uh, I it, it, I think it bought him so much time to work with this this group, and also gave him a you know that FA Cup win, and you know is it. All these little things have like really come together to benefit him, and I think there's been uh, a lot of criticism towards him. But I think if he can come out the other side of this and and um, you know have this end product with the team and and show that that all this all the things that he's been trying to do are, are paying off, it's kind of an amazing story for somebody who just had no experience at this level to get this amount of time to really become a, a top level coach. Like it, we're, we're kind of, we, we, we always say we're watching this, this coaching development in real time, but it is kind of an amazing, amazing story with all these little nuanced things that uh, you, you couldn't have planned for, but have really come to benefit him and the team. I don't want to go too far down this road because we are going to spend the second half of the uh, the episode talking a lot we about our no structure. It's international yeah. break. We're just throwing it at the wall. So I'm going to put a <laughs> pin, pin in this conversation because I, I know we're going to get back to it in a you know yeah. a few minutes and uh, just kind of get back to uh, 
or not back, but get just a, a shout out to some of the uh, the players on international duty, specifically our English players in the, uh, the game against San Marino. What do you think of Emil Smithrow, Saka, and Ramsdale being kind of part of a, a, a an English squad that looks like that's going to be the future of the team? Yeah, I I didn't watch this game, and I don't know if you can really call it a game when the scoreline is is ten to zero. But I mean, that's 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 training. That's a training ground for, for this team. I don't I, I don't know uh, that San Marino is really much of a, a challenge for them. But they, um, it's it's great to see these guys getting to play together. Uh, it, of course, Saka's been with the team. He, that was his third, I think, consecutive uh, game with a goal. Uh, for the national team, which is a a great record to have, and shows how much he's uh, embedded himself in that that team. Uh, and then to have Emil Smith Rowe, uh, get he he got a a cameo appearance uh, in the previous game, but to get the start in this game, uh, I, I'm sure that meant a lot to him. I think him getting the goal was uh, a huge huge thing in his life. And it, it, you know, it kind of came off of a. I'm trying to remember, I think it was Saka who got uh, got across into Abraham, who maybe flicked it, flicked it onto Emil Smith Rowe. I'm trying to remember if it was an actual uh, purposeful flick or if he, it just kind of fell to his feet. But uh, <laughs> you gotta love how he's he's finding the back of the net when he just kind of anytime he gets the ball in that area, it seems like he's finding ways to score. So good on him for. Um, making that happen. You know, like there's, there's a lot of players that, that they made a career out of that. Like I, I look to a, a player, I think we all hate and burn an effigy, but uh, Ruud van Nisselrooy, that was his bread and butter. It wasn't that he scored great goals. He was just in the right positions. And it was those flicks, those touches that put it in. And I think Smith Rowe is kind of developing a talent for that type of goal, which I'm, I'm personally not going to complain about at all, especially if they, he's doing that to score for Arsenal. Yeah, and I think like that's um you know, it was something that that uh Aaron Ramsey kind of had when he was with the team too is, you know, showing up at the right place at the right time, making the runs, being uh, available and just um finding the right spaces and that's uh that calmness in the box is really shining for Emil Smithrow this year and I think everybody has known or noticed the difference compared to last season and it's it's translated into the national team so i'm sure he is that it's great that that confidence is is extending beyond the arsenal games and i'm really excited for him uh and then to see ramsdale get a shot too it's just it's great to see these guys uh taking their success with arsenal and and uh making a bigger name for themselves yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're seeing the future of that English national team. Not, I'm. People know I'm not a huge English national team fan. I'm, you know, Sweden's my national team. That's the one I follow quite a bit. Uh, but uh, you really are seeing that future of that English national team, and you, you know, seeing you know other players mount da da da, da uh, popping through. But I think Ramsdale, Saka, and uh, ESR, maybe not this next World Cup. Maybe, possibly, uh, but the the World Cup after is, I think, really where you're going to see that, or the Euros after this this World Cup, are you really going to see those players shoulder the burden of that team? And it's mm. you know, it's nice. It's it's 
in one way, I just hope they don't get injured and you can play for Arsenal. But in another way, it's it's really you know kind of a badge of honor in England to have your 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 players playing for that national team. At the very least, you should be getting the calls like Kane does. So, <laughs> I yeah, if we could get some of that that love on the at the club level from the refs, that would be fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, Saka had a goal in this game. You know, it was I. I Everybody but Ramsdale had a goal in this game. It seemed like I don't know. Ten, ten goals is pretty pretty amazing. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious. You know, if uh, Southgate's going to look at this game and and really take a lot away from it and and say, okay, I need to bring Emil Smith Rowe back on a more regular basis. Same with same with Ramsdale. I think Saka's pretty entrenched in this team at this yeah. point, um, and I expect he'll he'll be involved in the World Cup. Well, but um, I, I don't know how much of a case you can make it, 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 when there's a 10 goal route, you know, if it's, a, um, you know, if that's really going to push you into the t- conversation or if that's just, a, you know, it, it, you know, without real competition, can you can you really stake a claim? Yeah, I mean, I think what you, what uh, Southgate's going to start looking at, though, is club form because Southgate's always been a big like, uh, you know, what you're doing in, for, in your club is going to inform who I'm picking. And that's what he's mm-hmm. always said. And, you know, Everton and Pickford aren't like, necessarily lighting the league on fire right now. And I think, you know, if Ramsdale continues the form he's been on with Arsenal, I think, you know, next game against Liverpool will be a very telling, telling story. But if, uh, you know, he continues to put in the performance he has, he's going to be pushing Pickford for those, uh, for that uh, starting World Cup spot. I mean, there's still quite a bit of soccer to be played. There's another, I mean... It's the finishing of this season, and then half of the next season <laughs> before the the World Cup. Yeah, and so there's a lot of soccer to be played. And if you know Everton kind of continues to trend where they're going, and Pickford isn't impressing, and you know we trend the way we are, and Ramsdale trends the way he's going, it it could be a swap off. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, before we stray too far from the Liverpool game, and you know talking about lineups. Um, I did want to kind of run through what you thought what the the team would would look like. I think you know relative or the individually, I, I I'm not aware of any uh, injuries or anything like that that would uh, you know cause any scratches. You know, I, I think the only question mark right now is is party in my mind. Yeah, I was just going to ask if you'd heard anything more on party. The other thing is whether, where uh, their the final is England done playing now? I know it was the last. I, I think uh, I think so. I think it was they just didn't the, schedule some stupid friendly after this. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, and you know, I know Africa has been going hard. I saw that Pepe was on the bench for the Cameroon uh, Cote d'Ivoire. I didn't see actually if he got on the field because I stopped watching. I, th- I think he got on with like 20 minutes left, but they were not able to to pull it out. So they are knocked out of World Cup contention at this point. Which I'm not going to complain too hard about because it means no. that yeah. we'll have some fresher, fresher legs. Because, uh, I mean, that's the thing is it's going to be a winter World Cup. So, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's going to be some tired legs coming in the second half of that season, which is... Mm-hmm. Or they're going to announce what they're doing with the season coming very soon, which should be interesting. Uh, but uh, if everything being equal, I think we're 
if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. I think we're going to see Ramsdale and goal, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think you see that that same back line of Tyranny's, Tyranny's fine. He was playing for Scotland, I know. Yeah, he he had a fantastic uh, tackle to to save a goal. At, at the um, There was a penalty that was stopped, but there he was able to block the rebound from going in, which is his, his classic tyranny. You know, he's tenacious when he wants to be, for sure. Yeah, so you have tyranny, Gabriel White, and uh, uh, Tomiyasu. It's, was Tomiyasu called into the Japanese team? I didn't, I haven't been paying He was. I, I think, um, I think I saw something that said between uh, Tomiyasu, Tavares, and Tierney, uh, our defenders had uh, clean sheets throughout the international break. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think I, I think you do start Tierney over, uh, over uh, why am I forgetting Portuguese name? Or Tavares. Tavares. Uh, so I think that's pretty set. I think... If party's healthy, you start party. And I think you start Lakonga. Always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if not, I that's a that's a hard one. El Nini, maybe. I don't know. I think Lakonga's played well. I, I don't know if you need to change that per se. And the more minutes he can get before party has to go on um <laughs> onto our, uh, you know, I, I have to mention AFCON every week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> before that happens, the more minutes you can get under the Congo's belt, the better. Because when Jaka comes back, I'm not really sure how that shakes out yet. But uh, I'd like to have the Congo pretty established and, and and ready to go with whoever he's partnered with uh, come January. Yeah. And then I think you do your your setup of a what is it a Saka Milsa throw uh, do you, do you feel like Lock is the, uh, a lock for that that number ten or do you feel like Odegaard is gonna play his way back in at any point that's what that's where that's where that long pause was and I apologize for the listener because I know dead air is boring I <laughs> uh, I think. The position is for Locker to lose right now. Uh-huh. And I think against Liverpool, I think maybe you do start Locker just for the experience and the passion. But I mm-hmm. like if I was Arteta, I'd be keeping a very tight eye, eye on him, you know? Mm-hmm. That if it if it, if it's not working, I would be subbing early for him. And then I think you you have to start Aubameyang up top again just cuz you know, trusted goal scorer this is a game where i i don't want to do a lot of experimenting i just mm-hmm. want to like put out a good lineup with proven players uh and hope for the best and this is the type of game that hopefully obama yang can really rise to the occasion and really show his uh his quality yeah i feel like you got you got to have tyranny for his ability to, on the on the defense to really shut players down um and then you do. It is nice to have Tavares available as as an option, either to replace Tierney and, and bring on somebody who can give you something a little bit different, uh, or you know he can come in as a as a midfield option. Or you know he's he has been brought in as as a, a, a late game change of pace. So it is 
something nice to have coming off the bench. And yeah, I, I think Odegaard fills that role pretty well. If you need to bring him on early for Lacazette, you can, and that can change the way this team looks. So I like the options we have off the bench and I, I feel pretty good without party. I, it, but I would love, uh, of course I would love, love it if we can get him in the starting lineup or at least coming on um, late in the game if he can't start. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, I think we're a better team with party. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that is a injury situation uh, is sorted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some, I, I do, this isn't in the show notes, so I, I'm throwing this out of left field. Throwing the for a loop. <laughs> they, they brought this up on the um, Arscast this week. I think both uh, Wilshire got, and Ramsey got brought up as like possible January, January reinforcements <laughs> because, you know, depending on how things shake out with injuries and, and AFCON and all that. Would you go for one of those players? And I, I we kind of talked about Wilshire a little bit, but I, I don't know if we talked seriously at all about Ramsey. But I, you know, we're talking about players that you could bring off the bench if 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 we could get him for relatively cheap. You know, maybe a loan or just covering part of the salary because I'm sure Juventus just wants to get as much back for him as they can, or at least just get him off the books so they can put that money elsewhere. Uh, it would it wouldn't I wouldn't hate it. No, I mean it's an interesting thing. I know uh I've I've listened to a couple uh podcasts and they've talked about Ramsey from a non-Arsenal perspective, which is always interesting to to hear. And mm. the, the weird thing about Ramsey is that he when he has played for Juventus, he's actually looked really good or f- mm-hmm. pretty decent. It's just the fact that he hasn't been playing all that much for <laughs> Juventus. And yeah. uh, you know, he's looked good for the whales or the whales. For the the Welsh national team, uh, uh-huh. I think uh, I wouldn't hate that if it wasn't, uh, you know, if it was just kind of a, a, a not expensive, off the cuff, like type of, as you were saying, just paying for the wages type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think he's. At this point in his career, your expectations can't be super high, but he has talent. He has skills that could be an asset. But I, you know, I think beyond that, he's he. We don't have a ton of, um, you know, older players that can pass pass along their knowledge at the moment. And I think some of his skill set would it would be great to pass that to the younger players that are you know, kind of do, trying to do similar things to what he brought to Arsenal when he was at his best. And I think like if even a little bit of that rubbed off to Emil, on Emil Smith-Rowe or Saka or something, I would like to see that. And could he do any worse than Jaka? Right. I mean, <laughs> Jaka coming off a major injury, how much, how much faith can we put into him? Like we don't even know how quickly he's going to be back. I think that's probably one of the deciding factors in whether they go off after anybody on loan is what's the status of Jaka. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't hate that. Uh, I mean, Wilshire, I, th- I, th- I think that'd be a fun signing. I think it's a no brainer because I'm, he's not under contract from anybody. Right. Right. So, that, I mean, that would be a but free, then he, he, like, basically. Yeah. 
but then I I don't know that he really brings as much to the table just because he's way out of way out of practice as far as he has not been playing anywhere for a while. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like a. Uh, I, I mean, I think that I think will actually putting Wilshire on the books would be a no brainer just as far as goodwill. I think uh, club legacy and uh, but I think Ramsey could actually play a part in a team as long like and I think he would be very willing to play a bit role. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As someone who is coming on in emergencies or maybe closing out games, I could actually see Ramsey being a good player for having a head on his shoulder and knowing how to close out a game. Type oh, of thing. And just as a super sub, you know, I yeah. mean, like somebody who can bring some late game composure oh, and energy and maybe uh, get you a goal. And my heart just got a flutter thinking of Odegaard and Ramsey playing together and just like that, oh. the, that combination. Yeah, because I, I really, I, I would see Ramsey as a more withdrawn, uh, like, yeah, playing next to party, well, yeah. in place of party, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of com- where, where he can make those late runs and can kind of have the space to uh, do what he needs to do. I, 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 I like the idea. I just don't know if it uh, actually could come to fruition with the finances and all that. Well, I mean, the nice thing, the nice thing, it's probably not nice if you're a Juve fan, um, is that Juventus is in not great economic situation. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I assume he would be available and I don't know his situation well enough, but I assume he's on decent wages when he went over there. So I, I would, I would assume they would want to get rid of him. And could probably be compelled to get rid of him at a pretty cut rate cost because everything I've seen from Juventus is, is that they're he's not in their long term or short term plans. Yeah, and, you know, like there was rumor that they would be willing to tear up his contract just to get him off the books, but it's like, well, if how how is that going to play out if Arsenal even show any bit of interest? You know, like they're going to want to try to extract something. Yeah, maybe they'll so not I, show. Maybe they'll be smart. <laughs> Arsenal smart and transfer uh, <laughs> and not show any interest and let that happen. Yeah, I, I don't know how you how you play that that well to get your uh, get the player that you want for nothing. But you know, if you can, that would be ideal because I I don't think there's going to be a ton of uh, extra money flowing around for a player in January. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I mean, the funny thing is, Juventus used to be the masters at getting players for free. <laughs> I think they got Ramsey on a free and it was just a huge amount of wage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of used to be Juve's way. That's how they got Ronaldo, right? They didn't pay a transfer fee. He, he was just left with Madrid and uh, signed for them on huge wages. Yeah. And that works unless you get guys that are underperforming <laughs> or aren't playing. <laughs> exactly. You know? Um. But yeah, they. I don't want to steal all of uh, the Arscast talking points, but they did mention that the, the idea of Ramsey and Ramsdale, you know, playing on the same team because Ramsdale's pretty much taken all of Ramsey's songs at this point. They just <laughs> plugged in Ramsdale. Yeah. So I, I like the idea of a song share or a battle to oh, see wow. who gets to <laughs> a sing off. <laughs> But yeah, the 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 potential of an Aaron, Aaron Ramsdale to Aaron Ramsey assist, or you know, yeah. <laughs> that combination. Wow. It's just what would his just, number be? Because like, there's got to be something with like AR fifty one or Area fifty one or something. I don't 
I like that. I I, I think that there's there's still a lot of goodwill towards uh, Ramsey. So I think okay. I, I don't think there'd be too many people that would be upset if he was able to come back for the right price. Yeah, I mean, I have I personally have no ill will towards Ramsey. I have uh, the only thing I have is a little bit of regret because I I, I feel like Ramsey is that type of player that was would have been such a huge player if he played on the continent and because he played in the Premier League, he with his skill set didn't get the same amount of uh, love. Mm. Yeah, I kind of wonder if his body would have been better off for it too. Like some of the injuries, just it stacked against him, of course. But you know, in in Spain or Italy, he probably would have had more time on the ball and a little less, a little less rough play. Yeah, maybe. a little less kicks in the ankle. Yeah, um, but I'm, I'm happy he was an Arsenal player. I mean, mm-hmm. out of the players that came in with him, I think he showed the most potential. The most potential, um, or actually, you know, it it, it just didn't because of so many injuries, it just never came to pass. But, you know, I think the, he's still, he's still a great player despite that. Yeah. Well, okay. I think that's a good place to pause. Let's take a break. When we come back, we've got more stuff. We'll talk about uh, the women's team and a little bit more on Arteta. So stick with us. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back from the break. Uh, we got a little bit more from you, for you, not from you. <laughs> Sadly, nothing from you guys. Nah. I'll just throw that out there. You know, I know it's the international break, but you can always send in questions. It doesn't have to be about Arsenal. So we if can, you, we can even solve some of your uh, personal life problems if you have a really sticky situation. Yeah, there's oh. an Ask Tim section just waiting to happen. So <laughs> I do not. I would not <laughs> trust me to give you any life advice for reals. You don't have to like his answers, but you can always ask. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's, uh, uh, you know, a- anytime you want to send in questions, we're, we're happy to answer. And it doesn't have to be Arsenal, like I said. So think about that for our next international break, because there are more coming. There's always more coming. I think <sighs> Jan- it's not till January, but still, you've got plenty of time to think about Isn't it. Isn't January? Because I know the European playoffs are in... Uh, March. Sorry, January must be a stupid friendly window. Must be. I, I am not. I, I I thought I saw something about January. I could be totally wrong. Uh, yeah. I don't actually want to know when the next international break is. I, I'm only focused on March because the Swedish team lost to Spain, unfortunately. And we're not going to go into too many details about that. But that meant, means that they hit the uh, playoffs for the World Cup, and that's in March. Mm, okay. Well, fingers crossed. We don't yeah. have to have a postmortem for the Swedish team in March. Uh, but anyway, since we did get some questions from you guys, we're going to talk about a couple other things. So what do you, what, what else was going on this week, Tim? Well, I wanted to mention uh, something that went on during the international break, which was the, uh, the women's team played a North London Derby. It was a uh, Tottenham and uh, the Arsenal uh, was a one, one game. And I, I just thought it was interesting. I was uh, listening to a couple of uh, different podcasts about it and they were talking uh, before this game, Arsenal had never not won 
a North London Derby again for the women's side of things. And so it was kind of a a weird, a a huge watershed. Uh, If you didn't catch the game, Tottenham scored and then uh, Arsenal scored. uh, Medina, of course, if you follow, (laughs) if you know anything slightly about the women's team, you know uh, Medina's name and, uh, or Medina, sorry. Uh, She scored in a late injury time to tie it up. Uh, Arsenal still undefeated against Tottenham and it's just now, They've drawn one. Uh, and But that result did put Arsenal at the top of the table for the, uh, the what is it, the uh, W, uh, what is it, the, the Women's League, and it's the WSL. Sorry. There we go. There we go. <laughs> did you catch any of the, uh, the highlights of the game? Did you catch the game at all? I saw the highlights. Gosh, the, there was a couple of real close goals, or close calls for Arsenal. I, I was surprised that they weren't able to pick up more than one goal because there was definitely some chances there. Um, but man, it, it's every time I see the highlights, I'm like, man, I got to watch more of these games. I'm just poor, real bad about checking the schedule and seeing when stuff's coming up. And I usually find out about it as it's happening or, you know, after it's over. They are available for free for anyone who streams. And I actually did want to put a call out to anybody. My um, Unfortunately, my WSL knowledge is periphery at best. And I would love to have someone on the show that could help us like, kind of walk us through the team a little bit more. I mean, I know the players and things like that, but I'd love to have a guest on. So if any of you want to talk about a women, Ladies Arsenal, please give us a, a buzz. I'd love to have you on the show. Or if you know somebody. Oh, yeah. You know, they may not be a listener, but if you know somebody who knows, yeah, send them our way. Please. All right. Well, we will We will hopefully talk more about them in the not-too-distant future. Oh, they have an a, a FA Cup final against Chelsea coming up, too. So hopefully oh, we'll yes. get to talk about a, a trophy as well. There we go. I'll have to try to watch that game for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So... Outside of that, this, uh, I'm trying to remember when it came out, when it was dropped, but there was a video that came out for um, Arteta's 100th game in charge. And the club put out a uh, an interview with um, Amy from the Handbrake Off podcast. And it's uh, it was an interesting insight into a little bit more personal a little bit more on the personal life of of Arteta and kind of his feelings on how things have gone and just where where things stand with the team and and uh I I I found it kind of re- refreshing cuz we we only see little snippets here and there about him you know you know he's very focused on the team and and is very polished when it comes to what he says and or doesn't say uh but it felt like he was, it was a very loose conversation and, and um, a better insight into who he is. Uh, did you get a chance to watch that, Tim? Yeah, I did. I really, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, a fun. I mean, it's it's super polished media. It's not, uh, the the questions aren't the most hard-hitting. I mean, I love Amy Lawrence. No, no. Uh, I've she, Her columns for The Guardian are absolutely stunning. She's a, one of my favorite journalists. Just including the fact that she's an Arsenal fan, but uh, she's a good a journalist in, as well as an Arsenal fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the, the questions were fairly softball questions. But uh, one of, there are two things that really struck me about it. 
the first thing is I, I when I was watching, I was comparing and contrasting. There was a, a documentary I think I've mentioned a couple of times there where they uh, interviewed uh, Mourinho, and the difference in personality and who they are the between Mourinho and Arteta is just so night and day, and it it made me realize that like you don't have to be an asshole to be a winning coach or like a good person, <laughs> like right. or like a, a successful person. And I think I would much rather, you know, shave a couple percentage points of our winning winning rate to have a coach like uh, Arteta than to, to deal with Mourinho. And he just came, Arteta came across as a, such a, just a person who had priorities. He talks about his family a lot. He talks about the his priorities and the fact that you know, he does prioritize his family, which I, I totally appreciate there. There are more important things in soccer, just believe it or not. And, uh, I think family is one of them. And, uh, the other, uh, interesting kind of tidbit I took was his, when he was describing what, what it is to be an Arsenal fan, he, he mentioned unity. That was like the big, uh, point he said. And, it just totally reminded me of Arsene Wenger and Arsene Wenger's big thing was always togetherness. That was like his <laughs> word. And I think they're both hitting the same chord. Unity and togetherness are synonyms. I think togetherness is probably made up by Arsene Wenger, whereas unity is a correct <laughs> word. But, uh-huh. uh, and I, I thought that was maybe an interesting continuism that like maybe was something that Arsene Wenger was preaching when Arteta was there that he kind of held on to. So I thought that was interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the other thing that stood out to me was, you know, when you when we talk about like um recruitment and how he has gotten players to sign on and buy in, I think you can really see where um his charisma, his personality really it 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 does a lot of the work for him. Like if you have a project and then you have that to that sort of personality and and um, it makes it really easy to just be like, okay, I'll do whatever you, whatever you want. Let's, <laughs> I'll, I'll resign. Sure. I'll stick around for this. Cause he just seems to have an, an easiness about him. And like, clearly there's an intensity and desire to win, but also an understanding. Um, you know, I, I think he, uh, I don't know if he, he said it in the, these exact words, but it just, it just kind of this idea that there's, room for players to to have fun and show their personality but also setting boundaries um and 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 understanding what the team needs like getting back to that unity thing it's like there's there's a balance to strike there and if you want people to be unified i think you have to there is a give and take there is a balance to how much you can expect from these players um you know you, you can't smother them too much you can't over over manage them too much you have to find that uh that right right uh chemistry to to make things tick and 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 i think he's he's honed in on it and and a lot of it is getting rid of people who weren't buying in or were causing distractions from that but i think a a big aspect of that is has been um you know discovering what he is as a coach. I think that's been a big part of his development is, is um, something something's clicked for him this season. I think he, he mentioned it like early on right after the man city 
uh, loss. Like he felt like it was his, like the best week of his life or some time frame. He just felt like he said it was like the best, best part of his coaching career. And I think that is a lot to do with the players really meeting him halfway and, and, and buying in even when things were tough. And I think that was something that shined in this, this interview was like that kind of discovery of, of like what he, he wants to do with this team and what, what he wants to be as a coach. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I was uh, watching the Finland uh, France game today, as one does, uh, and uh, Guendouzi actually came on and made his uh, debut for the French national team, and uh, it it reminded me that, that you know like Guendouzi wasn't talentless. It's not like he was a, a, a horrible player, but uh, you know Arteta was able to or was just was let him go in it because he just wasn't fitting into what he his vision of what Arsenal was. And I think that takes a lot of guts in a lot of ways because I think I mean Genduzi might have a good career. He's still young and he's still obviously talented. And you know, there'll be a lot of people that be like, oh, you know, we had Genduzi back in the day and we just let him go. Although I think he's still on our books. Uh <laughs> but I uh, I think it takes a, a certain amount of integrity to be like, this isn't the type of attitude I want in the team and who I, I, I envision Arsenal is. And I think that was part of the interview too, was him talking about uh, this single direction that everyone should be pulling for. And if you're not, you can, uh, <laughs> he said something kind of weird about like, you know, you could leave the car park, drive home and come back tomorrow and maybe you'll be better. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but that idea of like you know if you're not in on this uh, on this plan maybe this isn't the right place for you which i yeah. uh, i think is a, a very brave brave uh brave thing to do and i think we're seeing a little bit of the fruits of that 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 uh viewpoint yeah i think it takes confidence to to draw those lines as a coach to to be willing to shut out some of your best players if they're not coming to the table and, and, and doing what they need to do or, or what you're asking of them. Really. I think that's what it comes down to is whatever the coach is asking you to do is what you should be doing, whether you believe it or not. Um, but I, you know, I think, uh, Balogun, uh, was interviewed earlier this week talking about his future with Arsenal. And, and he, I think the, the thing that got him to resign was clearly Arteta, but, funny enough he was like i don't know what the plan is for me I, there is a plan but i don't know what it <laughs> what it is but i'm i'm here for it and, yeah. and i think there is the you know with that charisma with that confidence arteta has convinced him that he's in the right place and he needs to be patient and that says a lot you know i think in in is um as we see a lot of these young players come in they they are uh beholden to what he he's his plan is for their future and and i think they have to put their trust in him and trust the process as we hear <laughs> hear so often um but as you see that start to pay off i mean like that's that's really a big deal you know that these um he's got the collective trust of the team and that those it's not just uh, for nothing, you know, it, it, when you have the results, when things start to go your way, uh, it's huge. Uh, so I think we've seen we've seen Arteta really develop this season. I feel like he's hit his stride, um, 
in finding the right the right mix of players and you know he's tweaked things to make the system work it's not just been um throw the throw all the players out and and let them do everything he's he's made made adjustments and made things happen i think that the you know having lacazette play over odegaard that's a big decision and and um you know he's he's adjusted things to so that you don't have a player that has to slide over and cover for left back you know like just little little tweaks here and there it's not like a a sea change it's just the 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 right amount of coaching to make things progress and you hope that these things come to fruition uh in, at the end of the season as well cuz i think that it's a big part of the recruitment process is to have something to show for all this so we'll we'll uh, when we do uh, our season review at some point, I, I think we're we're going to have a lot to dissect when it comes to Arteta's development over this this year. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we we said it at the beginning of the year, which is like this is the year that uh, you really can start judging him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the, especially now that he has his guys, yeah, you know, that's been a big part of it. Exactly. It's like uh, in previous seasons, it's kind of been just like plugging holes and you know building the, the, the track as the train's going down. Whereas I think he's established enough that you can look at him and you can judge his results and, mm-hmm. you know, and it comes with good and bad, you know, you can, we can call him out when he does make mistakes or when things aren't going well, but we can also should remember to praise him when things are going well. That's actually another thing of the documentary that I, I personally really uh, identify with, which is that I think we spend a lot of time, focusing on these negatives that you this should be fun too that when things are going great we should really enjoy it and revel in it be be happy that we're in a position Mm -hmm. to hot leapfrog liverpool be happy that we won an fa cup not too long ago enjoy these wins these victories be happy that we smashed tottenham like uh, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) enjoy these things because more often than not as a soccer fan you're going to be disappointed, you know, like, you know, what is it? Uh, one out of 22 teams actually gets to win the league and the rest is going to be disappointed, you know, like right. uh, enjoy these victories when they come because it may be a while. It's just like, you know, I remember the last time Arsenal won the league and, but the, I think there's a big swath of people who don't, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So when it happens, yeah. enjoy it, revel in it because it may be, the only time in your lifetime it happens like right yeah i i am getting more and more excited as we look across the team and and see all these different little storylines and and see how things are are developing i am super excited for this uh all or nothing documentary mm. I mean, it, I think the first episode is going to be really interesting because I bet you the first episode covers those first three games. <laughs> That's going to be. Oh, yeah. It's going to be rough, but yeah. you got to, you got to, if you want the hero arc, you got to start somewhere low and yeah. then you have to have, you have to have some sort yeah. of redemption. And yeah. I mean, speaking of all or nothing, did you ever watch the Tottenham one? No, you know, I've been, I can't, I've been reluctant to watch any of the premier league ones, even though I love the sport. I just hate the teams. So it's like hard I, for me to get over that. I watched the city one and I was, I mean, cause I'm fascinated by Pep Guardiola. I think he, when we yeah. look back on this generation of soccer, he's going to be revered as the genius that he should be. Like, I think he's a, 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 a ahead of his time and has changed the the game. 
in a way more than I think Ronaldo or Messi have in a lot of ways. Uh, and so I don't mind watching the, that documentary. I just could not do the Tottenham. Like I hate Mourinho to begin with. Like I, like in case I haven't mentioned it before, I just dislike him as a, <laughs> a human being and then mm-hmm. as a coach. And, uh, so I just, and then plus it's Tottenham and I just like, I, I mean, I think they fail in that. <laughs> I, I know they fail in that documentary. So maybe it would be good for some schadenfreude, but, uh, <laughs> I don't think the, uh, the schadenfreude would be worth seeing that crest all the time and seeing Harry Kane and not him getting punched. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, I always tell myself I should watch the Man City one just to like, understand the root of Arteta's. Mm-hmm philosophy as well he makes a cameo um, in and he, he's he's in there yeah so. <laughs> um but yeah th- that one is a little more palatable to me i also really like de bruyne so oh, yeah. watching him wouldn't be do- the worst thing in the world um but it, like to like watching the the, the leads documentary was not as mm-hmm. challenging to me because they're like not a, a rival or a team i dislike by any means and up until recently they weren't even in the league so it didn't matter um but yeah, for some reason, watching teams that we're, we we go up against and dislike, I, it, it was a little bit less palatable to me. So I, I have not pulled the trigger on it. There's a great one about uh, it's, and I forget the name of the sport, and I apologize for the people who do know, but it's a kind of a Indian sport where they uh, it's kind of like a, a tag, but like full contact tag. And it's a very popular, like a uh, traditional Indian sport and they have an all or nothing documentary about that. And it's amazing. Highly recommend it. It's called like the Jaipur Panthers, I believe. Hmm. Yeah. The, the, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, oh, yeah. uh, doc is also on my list. It's actually, I binged that in one night. I'm also a sports junkie, so, uh, <laughs> don't trust me on any of this. I got to pull myself away from too many anime shows and dumb stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all dumb stuff at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, let's, uh, let's call it a day. I okay. think that's a good spot to stop. I mean, you don't want to go into depth about the, uh, the Indian sport that I was talking about. I think I'll have to watch the documentary yeah. before I can speak to that. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, we, we, We've talked enough, and we've got a big game coming up, so we'll have plenty to talk about next week. Hopefully all good stuff, right? Nothing yeah. nothing bad's going to happen. It's all going to be fine. Yes. Keep on telling yourself that. I don't know if you can hear me knocking on the table as hard as I can. <laughs> no, I'm knocking for you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll come back and uh, have more to talk about next episode. For now, thank you all for sticking with us. And uh, if you would like to send in questions for our next episode, you know, if it's you've got burning questions after the next game or sometime afterwards, you can always send us questions uh, via our Twitter, which is at W of N London. You can email us westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. We can take voicemails at anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message. And we have a Discord chat server where you can send those questions in anytime they come to you or just chat with fellow Arsenal fans. Uh, If you want to get in on that, you can hit us up on one of those other uh, 
means like an email or a tweet and we would happily add you in uh also if you haven't subscribed to the show if you wherever you're listening to this right now hit that subscribe button if you've done so give us a review we'd love to get uh those whenever you have something you want to give us some feedback on we'd love to get refused you can tell other people if you just like us just the way we are <laughs> uh theme song from bobcat that is bobc.at that's their website go check them out no course to follow is their album and they have shows happening so if you want the latest news that is the place to go um again thank you for sticking with us for the last two years it's been fun we're gonna keep going for hopefully a few more at least 15 more years at least 15 more we're gonna outlast arteta that's my goal (laughs) uh so we'll you know stick with us tell your friends let's keep this going as long as we can uh so that's it for this week and as always see you at the next gun show